Good afternoon and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block streaming on Facebook Live, hosted by all regular five of us, which is two Eds, a Gina, a Mike, and myself, Steve. Hey, everybody. Good to see you Hello. all. Um, I got tons and tons and tons of stuff I'd like to cover today. Some a little more serious, some I guess a little less serious, but on the less serious side, I want to know if anybody wants to comment on my almost congresswoman's arrest yesterday. Oh my gosh, it was a- brutal. AOC. Yeah. She's probably got she's probably got like burn marks on her wrist from them cuffs being so tight. Oh my gosh. Her and Elon. Oh my gosh. It was harrowing. Wasn't it? Matt Walsh called her uh AOC D Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> She's such a joke. Well, wait, there, was, there was that other article I shared about just becoming influencers and, and nothing else. Um, Why can't any Republican say when we get into power, it's going to be real handcuffs? That's a good one. You know what? Send that to somebody. That could be their slogan, like for their next commercial. Well, you have to find a Republican that is equipped with certain male equipment. Where should <laughs> yeah. I say? 47 of them you know. voted to enshrine gay marriage in federal law. Right. So we'll mix them. And why did uh, they call it an arrest when seemingly they were just pulled away and fined detained. $50? Yeah, it's detained. Detained. That's not it's an arrest. Like uh, they even detained? Arrest. I think they were just being escorted to a different place. Right. I don't think that's even called detained. They well, I mean, by it. force, they were being escorted by force in the sense that they were told if they didn't move and the policeman guided them, they would be arrested. So that's kind of, I mean, it was pretty convincing. It's almost like she might've had some practice with that stuff. (laughs) Good job, Mike. Good job. (laughs) Um, I guess the the next story, there's so many big stories in the news, obviously that crazy vigilante who endangered so many lives by stopping a mass murderer. Good for him. And what was he, 22? He, he was quite young. And apparently he did what everybody swears can't be done. Good guy with a gun, um, way too fast, needed more than 10 bullets, possibly. I mean, he broke almost every anti-2A rule there is. Oh, and he was phenomenal. So far, they haven't really arrested him. No, is, because uh, he is covered under that constitutional carry now that uh, the Supreme Court did what they were supposed to do. That's absolutely wonderful. It was 15 seconds mm-hmm. that it took for him to take that gunman down. Right. But uh, in my state, uh, I arrested a week ago for self-defense and it took oh, several days for them to wake up. Yeah. Yes. And I assume they're going to give him some kind of compensation for his time in jail when they had no right to arrest him in the first place. Well, thankfully, mm-hmm. thankfully, the Good Samaritan brought his gun into the mall and didn't abide by the mall's rules. Mm-hmm. Was basically, oh, was, a, there, a, was there yeah, a no guns policy for that mall? There was. A, there was. Gun, it's supposed to be a gun free zone uh, in right? Virginia. In Virginia, it's kind of weird because like if there's a no gun sign on the on the store and you bring a gun in and refuse to leave when asked, you can be charged with trespassing. But just the fact of bringing it in, unless you're asked to leave, that's a gray area in the law in Virginia. I don't think think you can be charged. I don't know about where he was, uh, whether that's the case or not. 
yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I'm just glad that he, he did what he did. And uh, yeah, I just actually read through the uh, one link in the show notes, uh, Steve, that, that Reason Foundation article basically saying there were four different gun myths that were exposed, uh, you know, left-wing gun myths, anti-gun people, gun myths, uh, based on what that shooter did. And one of them too was the fact that um, you know, states like California have magazine limits of up to 10 bullets. And apparently that's about all this guy had. And if he were in Ca- California, I think he wouldn't have had a, he wouldn't have had enough in the magazine was the point. Right? It also interests me because I'm not necessarily a lover of law enforcement that if they feel threatened, they can shoot 80 shots um, and just keep emptying their weapons at somebody because otherwise you can't stop him but they're worried that regular people for self-defense can't have too many bullets. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, um, you know, the statistics are uh, that in a, you know, gunfight, serious situation, um, the even cops uh, really only hit with one out of seven. Um, not so much hit, but hit, uh, stop, stop. Well, it takes, takes seven rounds to stop a person on average. And so if you have two people or four people or whatever, you can see that you're automatically all the way up into the, you know, and this is not at the range. We all know when we go to the range, we can put them on target down range, you know, very, you know, if we okay, practice. So is this guy like American sniper reincarnated? How come he had a great shot, didn't he? He shot from 30, 40 yards. Yeah, 40 yeah. yards. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that good was, shot, man. Good that shot. That was amazing. And and there was one, um, I don't know whether you remember, there's one church where um, where a guy came in and uh, started Texas, shooting right? people. And like, yeah, and like four people stood up with guns and one of the guys uh, got him from sort of the back of the church. And now he did kill like one or two people, but he was not going to, you know, get away with it. Uh, for more killings than that. So to me, when I when I look at this story and I try and integrate it with similar stories, I mean, my takeaway is that the left is just trying to move the Overton window. They're they're arguing all of their points are so irrational and so um, just irrational. There's no better word for it. I mean, whether it's oh, good guys with a gun, don't stop a bad guy with a gun or uh, you know, a man can be a woman or, you know, children should be able to take puberty blockers or, I mean, whatever the, or, or, you know, that the, the BLM riots were peaceful protests. I mean, go down the list, whatever the issue, they're not merely mistaken, but that they're so irrational and so wrong that to debate with them on it and argue with them about it is to give them a sanction that they just don't deserve. I mean, the only purpose that they're uh, of their arguments is to is to move the Overton window and to, to create chaos in, in, in the listener's mind and in society as a whole, to me. So I know I posted another story that in Missouri, somebody else was able to uh, use a uh, gun, a good guy to stop a bad guy. Um, I think comparing and contrasting this with the Uvalde story, which again, there's so much more out there, 367 or 376 policemen who could do nothing for 70 some minutes versus a guy in 15 seconds who could get the job done. You would think that gives Republicans, excuse the expression, a lot of ammunition in this argument. 
Sure, it would give it would give a team that was looking to win plenty of ammunition, but the problem is they don't look to win. Exactly. That would be my point. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what to say. The Republicans are 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 useless. I mean, I I, I tend to think that they less often do uh, horrible horrible things. Um, but uh, I I've been wrong about that in the past too. Well, they're the better uh, two bad guys. That's I mean, about it. Joe Manchin is single handedly saving us from this climate ridiculosity that uh, Obama uh, Obama. <laughs> Slip of the tongue. That might be uh, accurate. <laughs> right? Acting President Biden uh, wants to do, and now he's going to declare a climate emergency. I, people haven't looked at the calendar, but, you know, it's summer out, and it's, you know, it's hot in summer, and it's always been hot in summer, so. Um, who's well, the most up on this Biden supposed emergency order that may or may not come soon on climate? Who knows the most about it? Probably you do. I mean, I know a little bit about it in the sense, but I don't know what like his, um, you know, the basis for the emergency is. Uh, Forget the basis. Uh, what do you think shoots. he's going to do if he declares it? Yeah, I mean, like, what is he going to do? I don't know. I mean, maybe like make uh, um, rules to uh, restrict electricity generation. That'd be great. Uh, or, um, you know, restrict. I heard he was going to try and invoke the Defense Production Act. So to force, force people. Businesses to to do things for climate change. I, I do love the idea that, um, you know, to fight climate change, we're going to we're going to stop using American oil and start using uh, Chinese uh, solar panels. I, I think that's I, the guy who came up with that plan is definitely not, um, you know, thinking straight. But well, as Ed, Ed said, they're they're irrational. And oh, the whole thing is crazy. And I, I, I read, you know, I read something about these, uh, the Europeans and um, the Europeans, of course, are the leaders in this uh, cult religion, and they are absolutely nuts. They, they are going to, they are planning to destroy Europe um, because of their, uh, this, these anti-energy policies. And, uh, you know, not just the, the sanctions and whatnot, but um, they're actually, like, oh, this is great. We can like go, you know, the fact that we aren't going to have any natural gas, we, we can go fully to solar power, not realizing that, you know, pretty cold and not very sunny in Northern Europe in the wintertime. Um, so, I mean, they, they really are. Well, nihilists. Germany supposedly said it may, may not close down or it may re, uh, re-up some of their nuclear power plants? Yeah, I heard that. that you know, of course, I have, I, you know, because of the war, I have, I have a lot of sympathy for the Baltics and Poland and Finland and, and you know, Romania and Moldova and, and Ukraine, but I have no sympathy at all for Germany and France. I hope they do freeze to death. Um, those people are nuts. And, and, and uh, they're, they're just crazy. They need a lesson in reality. And I, I, I think this winter is going to be that lesson, and I hope uh, they learn it good and hard. Amen, brother. Right. You, you get the government you voted for. You get the one you deserved. Yeah. I yeah. said we start ramping up our uh, 
you know, our use of electric vehicles too while we're at everybody. Yeah, we're that's what uh, Buttigieg said today when he was yeah. interviewed. Um, is like, oh well, this is an opportunity to get electric vehicles. It's like I don't have sixty thousand dollars. Yeah, but for which we have no power. Yeah, and nobody and even anything. calls them on that. Five dollar right. gallon gas is hard enough, much less fifty thousand, sixty thousand, one hundred twenty thousand for a Tesla, and that's that's crazy talk. And I still haven't figured out how you take a long trip on a Tesla. Oh no, it can be done. I know people who do it. it there, there are a lot of charging stations. I have nothing against the. But what if you how long can't get your Tesla? Charge? What's that? It takes quite a while to charge. Yeah, yeah, wow. it takes half hour or so. Right. You know, if you have to fill up twice, like my trip to North Carolina, that would cost me an hour for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, it. it's I would not it would not cost me an hour because, you know, I, I just got to get up and walk around after 400 miles to be. Uh, so, it, you know, if you just sort of plan, I mean, you do have to plan ahead, but I, it wouldn't cost me an extra time because I just can't drive like eight hours straight in a row. Um, but, you know, young people can. Well, good. I'm finally young for something. Well, here, here's a quick young thing. People should be able to afford it, that fifty to one hundred thousand dollars for a no, car. No, listen. Right? A young girl just bought. Listen, hold on. A young girl, young girl just bought an electric vehicle. Okay, she spent eleven thousand dollars on this vehicle. I want to say it was a Chevy or a Ford. Oh. And the battery took a poop. Well, guess what? It cost fourteen thousand dollars just for the battery for this new car. The car yeah. was only eleven thousand. But guess what? They don't make extra batteries for the cars because it's a discontinued car. So now she's crap out of luck and just spent eleven grand on a flipping electric vehicle that she can't drive. Screw the electric vehicles. Negatory. No. Yeah, Sorry. the batteries. Like I have a I have a hybrid that I bought um, back in two thousand and five, I guess, a Honda Accord hybrid, and I bought it because I thought I would rather send money to Japan than the Middle East. That's back when the Middle East was something to worry about. Um, and, uh, you know, it gets really good. It, it gets really good gas mileage. So not, not doesn't get Prius gas mileage, but the batteries only last nine years. And I, I replaced it the first time. And like next year, battery's going to fail. And uh, that's going to total the car. And that, you know, that's a, that's a difficult thing to, uh, to deal with, with these electric cars. And then, you know, nobody asks us like these batteries in this car, they're big and they're extremely poisonous and they're going to fail every nine years or eight years or 10 years, depending on whatever. And what do we do with them? And what's the, you know, what's the environmental destruction? They're also, they're also a safety hazard. Yeah. And what about like having to wait? So if you're waiting a year right now to get these new Tesla vehicles, like the waiting list, if you ordered it, you may be waiting a year and a half. So now you've got a broke down Tesla how long are you going to be waiting on these batteries? And like, like I said, like, my, point, my car huh? is going to die next year. And what That's if great. I was, an, what if I was a jerk and I was, you know, cause it, the car is in great shape for a car that's, uh, you know, 17 years old. I mean, it really is in great shape or 18 years old. Um, what if I sold it this year? What if I sold it for three or $4,000, um, which is probably what I could get for it. And then, you know, next year, the battery craps like a battery out. battery disposal fee or something. And that next it. year, the battery craps out and they have to pay an additional five. I mean, I'm not going to do that because I'm not a jerk, but I mean, that's exactly what happens. Trade, trade, it in, they, trade it in, Ed. You'll get a trade in for it. Yeah, if I could, if, if I had the money to buy a new car, I would do exactly that. But they, they really are unsafe. Every now and then I come across one of these stories about a Tesla. Somebody is in, involved in an accident and the thing just bursts into flames. I mean, it's, it's not like having an accident with 
you know, uh, a regular gas powered car. Well, Tesla's are, Tesla's are, uh, you know, by the independent group, I forget what is this, the safest uh, cars on the road, but you're right. The batteries can burst into flame and the flames cannot be put out with the fire truck. I I mean, it's like, it's nice to have somebody say, oh, generally they're safe unless you're the one in that accident and that car burst in the flames. Yeah. But I mean, I've seen so many, I've seen so many pictures of, of gasoline. But even even mechanically, you are taking those cars to the dealership to get them fixed and repaired so much more often. I think it's 298 is the amount of auto mechanic uh, that you go to per hundred vehicles, 298. So that's like three times a year, you're taking your car to the flipping dealership for a new car. And just like buying a foreign car, you know, the filters cost more, all that crap costs more. I don't even want to know what the mechanical fees on a Tesla would cost. Don't they have to ship the car? Don't they have to ship them somewhere? I don't think Tesla actually has places where you can just bring it in like a repair shop and get oh it. Oh my God. And I couldn't even imagine that either. Holy crap. I, I don't I know. think that that's my understanding of it. Cause like in New Jersey, I don't know about other States but in New Jersey, they're allowed to have a showroom. You know what I mean? You, you, you don't actually buy the car. There. there are laws against all that. And I think the regular car dealerships would object. You know, I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but that's my understanding. They have showrooms in New Jersey. They, you're not allowed to have dealerships. Oh. You go there, you, you you buy the car online, and then they ship it to you. I see. That's all crazy. And, I, and I think also when it needs to be repaired, they got to send it somewhere. Getting but, back to Biden threatening to do this all by emergency decree. Why hasn't Kevin McCarthy said if he does this and the Republicans take the Congress in, in November, he will be impeached first thing? Well, Why I mean, absolutely. More, more than that, I, there are a lot of procedures in the Senate that um, can d- delay things um, and, uh, uh, you know, really delay things. They're not general delay an executive order. Well, no, the point is that you would delay everything else. It will be an emergency declaration, which is different than an executive order. Yeah, I mean, the, the point would be the Senate would cease to function as, uh, as a governing body. Um, and so it's really Mitch, Mitch McConnell who holds. They the, both should lay that marker down. Yeah. I mean, I mean they, should, in a, they should do a joint press conference and McCarthy should say, if he does this, we will impeach him if we get the majority. And McConnell should say, regardless of what you get to, whether we get the majority, as of the next moment, the Senate is going to be shut down and we will do everything we can to obstruct everything. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, again, it's it's scorched earth. You cannot rule by decree in the United But wait States. a minute. If you're punishing somebody for ruling unilaterally by decree by forcing him to rule even more unilaterally by decree, is that making sense? Well, no. you push him till he go, goes too far. I mean, you're trying to get the How many times did Obama it, say, I don't have the power to do it? And then he said, well, since they're not going to do it, I'm going to do it anyway. So if the Senate were to shut things down, so to speak, that just tells Biden to do more things by emergency power. Why would that stop him? Well, that's why the other part of the equation for me is McCarthy should say, you'll be removed from office. Right, but we'll never have the votes for that. And it ain't gonna happen. Well, you know what? You gotta start. And you know what? If you have 55 Republicans in the Senate next year and 45 Democrats and all 45 Democrats vote to quit, that's a campaign issue for however many of them are running in 2024 and 2026. 
your president did X, your president tried to rule by decree and set up a dictatorship. And, and this guy voted to acquit him, vote him out of office. Or I mean, you people, have to, you have to play, you have to play the game. Okay. But yeah. some surrender. People said, weren't they softening us up for this by ruling by decree for two years of COVID? That it was goes back to before that for 50 years, hundred years. It at least goes back to Obama's pen and phone. Oh, it goes a lot longer back than that. I mean. And now we have, um, I'm, I assume nobody here has read Burks's book. No, just no, heard a bunch Lord, of no. excerpts. Right. But basically with the reporting is she said, I lied to get what I wanted, sort of. So we've been locked down for two years by executive decree or guidance. Well, it was what she thought the people would handle. So she wasn't trying to intentionally lie, but according to the excerpts, it was what like with the 15 days to slow the spread or right. with the groups of 10 or more it was what she thought people could handle or what the, By the way, it's she said remember when fauci said that about the percentages of people who need to be vaccinated to achieve herd immunity remember he kept saying well i only said that number because that's what people could handle and he kept upping it and upping it but i'm just glad is, that burks spells her name with four letters because she's a real four-letter word <laughs> I do recommend, though, if, if, if we have any listeners, um, I do recommend that uh, people read the, um, what was the, who, who is the guy? Let me see if I can find it here. Um, Robert Kennedy? Uh, well, yes, I definitely recommend a Robert Kennedy's book, but um, no, it's the other book, uh, Plague Upon Our House by Scott Atlas. That. Oh, he, I've heard that one. Yeah, yeah. He, he is a doctor who what Trump brought in to bring some sanity, and um, basically he he blames not so much Fauci, who he said was hardly present he, except in front of a microphone, um, but he blames Burks for almost every bad thing that went wrong because she was simply in in this rut in this mental intellectual rut and no amount of data and facts that he brought to the table could get her out of this rut. Um, so he, he blames her for the, the whole catastrophe. Fauci isn't of course blameless. Um, but, uh, Burks is the real, um, Burks is the real villain of Scott Atlas's book. And so I, I do recommend people, um, read it. It's, it's called A Plague Upon Our House by Scott Atlas. It's about his time in the White House. And it's very interesting. He said, you know, besides him, there were only a couple of people in the White House who weren't, who weren't insane. And I, I, you know, he does not, he's not like a MAGA person or, or even a Republican, but he said the only people in the White House besides himself who were occasionally sane were uh, Trump and Kayleigh McEnany. And, that, and the rest were it all in thrall of the cult, um, the the lockdown cult, the masking cult, the the vaccine cult, and whatnot. So I I and I kind of believe him because he he like he's not a big Trump fan or anything, um, but he he said you know Trump was basically right. Even Kellyanne Conway. Kelly. No, she mentioned. No, Kaylee McEnany, who was the press secretary yeah. back then. Yeah, I'm, I'm referring to Kellyanne Conway. Yeah, was she even mentioned? Um, Kellyanne Conway. She was. She was the, a former press secretary. 
She was oh. like the um, no, no, yeah. one of his advisors. Yeah, yeah, she, she was, was an advisor and a um, our advisor. Sorry, and, and, and the original like campaign manager for Trump's 2016 yeah. campaign. No, I don't recall her being mentioned. And I, I, I don't even know that she was there then because she left at some point. Yeah, she left uh, to take care of her family. I, I guess that I, sh I, maybe I should say my my former boss might have been among them, but he wasn't in the administration. Corey Lewandowski. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no, it's interesting, the villains and, and like people, Im, impenetrable people, um, Mike Pence, simply impenetrable. He, he didn't know. I mean, Atlas claims in his book that he would come with the latest data, with the latest studies, with the latest, um, you know, uh, peer reviewed stuff about, you know, what's going on and, and the fact that, you know, all of these prevention things aren't working and that, you know, all the kids are being abused and everything, he would bring it. And they, they would sit there and he would present this and he would have the papers and he would even hand the papers out. And at the end of him talking, they would all say, oh, thank you very much, Scott, for your, for your input. And then they would go on as if he, he didn't say anything. You know, it, it's, it's, it, it was bizarre. I mean, it is bizarre. And the times he got to talk to Kaylee or to Trump, uh, you know, Trump tell him, keep fighting. Keep fighting, Scott. Keep fighting for us. One second. I'm sorry. I, I missed something. Scott Atlas was the president. I'm, I'm a little confused here. Scott Atlas was an advisor to the um, to the COVID. Uh, right. Team. So why wasn't this Trump's decision? I'm confused. Why wasn't what Trump's decision? Everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, what is could, Trump saying to Scott Atlas keep fighting? I don't remember Fauci making the rules. Only the president makes the rules. The president uh, can fire all of them. So I don't get it. Uh, no, I mean, obviously, the ultimate blame um, goes on Trump himself for not firing everyone. I, 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 you know, I mean, couldn't fire Pence because he elected. I mean, how how can a president off. tell somebody under him keep fighting when he's the one signing off? I, I all I know is what he wrote. Right. That's all I know. Right, I understand that everybody else ignored Atlas, but Trump was still in charge. Trump was by then not in charge. I mean, you know, the, what does it mean to be in charge, right? I mean, what does it mean to be in charge? So uh, yeah, he should have fired everyone and he didn't want to do it because someone, and he blames Kushner, tells him that if he starts firing everyone, you know, six months before the election, it'll look bad and he won't get reelected. That's why he didn't get reelected. There you yeah, go. Right. I mean, I, I, I'm just telling you what Atlas said in the book. I do highly recommend it for those three listeners out there. Mm -hmm. And oh. there's no way in the world to ever hold these people, quote, accountable for anything. The fact that they destroyed a country for two years, there's nothing anybody could do. The fact that they're out there admitting that they lied and there's literally nothing anybody could do, right? Yeah. I mean, they should definitely be all in jail, basically. I mean, you know, Fau Fauci should be in jail for one. Uh, um, you know, the Cuomo should be in jail for putting all those uh, COVID patients in the nursing home. So should Rachel Levine, Richard Levine, um, who, who did the same thing in Pennsylvania, except for his own mother, who he took out of a nursing home and put in a private facility. At the same time, he was putting COVID patients into, um, into uh, I mean, they should all be in jail. I mean, mass murder. But I don't think they will. And, you know, again, like we said, you know, quoting Ann Coulter, immigration was the thousand dollar bill on the, 
pavement that Trump was the only one smart enough to pick up. Well, I mean, that's that's still obviously a $1,000 bill lying on the pavement, people, but there's like $10,000 bills lying on the table. And that's like prosecuting these these people for their their malfeasance and prosecute, you know, and they're, they're starting to come. There's a little bit of murmuring in behind the scenes about the drug companies, about Pfizer and Moderna, about, well, you know, maybe they weren't altogether forthright with our, you know, public servants. I've seen that. I've seen a little bit of that. And what's funny is, of course, the government and Pfizer and Moderna, they were all in the same. They all knew. They all lied. They all knew they lied. They all knew they were, there was lies. It's all lies. In fact, Pfizer said something like they were, there's some lawsuit against them and saying that, well, you lied. And the Pfizer's uh, response was, well, we didn't really lie. The government knew what we, you know, it was like, we didn't lie because right. everybody knew it was a lie. That's their response. That's their legal response. It that not only, not only did the government know, but that the government didn't care. The government said, provide us with this vaccine and we will pay you X number, you know, X amount of dollars for each dose. Right. So, I mean, I, I think that's a thousand dollar bill. Of course, I think the whole fact that the vaccines don't work and, and actually make things worse, I mean, they're definitely making things worse now is Omicron, you know, BA5 is a almost 100% um, vaccine empowered virus. Um, it would never, it, it would never have the whole Omicron thing would never have happened if the vaccine hadn't screwed up everybody's immune system. So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, that's, that's a $10,000 bill lying on the street, but I don't think anybody's going to pick that up. Well, first of all, on some level, isn't everybody in Washington beholden to <laughs> Pfizer and the people they control, whether it's the media or whatever. It's all part of the ruling class. Yes. I mean, I, I told you that corporatism, uh, that's corporatism. <laughs> I, t I told you that, the, you know, Ronna McDaniel, who is the um, chairman of the GOP. Who's the niece of uh, who? Uh, Mitt Romney. Yeah. Romney's niece. yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. Mitt Romney's sister-in-law, Ronna McDaniel's mother, also named Ronna McDaniel, and I were on a cruise together and I talked to her and her one of her. She was a Republican, you know, talk show host, big supporter big doer, um, ran for governor a couple of times in Michigan, you know, was really in there. And um, she is now devoting her, you know, end of life, half sailing and half um, fighting big pharma. And she told me some stories that I can't, you know, repeat because they were in confidence about how, how corrupt everything is in, in Washington due to big pharma. And I, I was shocked. You know, I thought, well, yeah, they give them $20,000 uh, know, campaign donations. Like, no, no, it's way worse. I've got some other, I, I, I can't reveal all of it, but I, I can say that I'm working on some lawsuits dealing with um, piercing the liability shield for Pfizer and the other uh, pharmaceutical yeah. companies on this. Yeah, I don't absolutely. want to give more away now. I'll just tease it with that. But hopefully Is that you're sleeping in a different house every night. <laughs> not yet let them come yeah <laughs> apparently there's so much power and money and so many people caught up in it it's very hard to believe anybody will be able to uh prevail against it and so so much of this is a it's gonna be an uphill battle i'll say that it's it's not an easy fight but 
it's a fight I'm willing to try and take on. Not many attorneys are willing to, but uh, we've got a team and we're, we're, we're going to fight. Well, it's even down to the local state level. I mean, we've got a group here called the Honey Badger Tribe, and they have been going um, House member to senators here at the local level and just pulling up all their donation history. Now, whether those candidates are impacted or make any decisions based on that, those companies are donating just on the local side, too. And it's crazy to think what they might be trying to do through that. Well, it's all money laundering, isn't it? Yep. I was going to say, there's a lot of revolving door stuff here too, right? <laughs> you know, a lot of times these people are, they're in government and, um, you know, they work for these major isn't corporations. Isn't that the whole business model of Democrat Party? For, you have public schools, you have, got, you know, the Department of Education and, and government money to the schools. The, you know, the money goes to the teachers and the administrators. They recycle it back in donations. Yeah. Same thing with Big Pharma, same thing. I mean, the Republicans do it with the farmers. I mean, this is this is you know they, you they know, have all the politics. A lot of they have these regulatory agencies, and they're really head by pe- headed by people that were in these corporations. They're totally in bed with them. You know, I see it with the insurance industry because right. a, a part of that. And and, and you know that, what they'll at, say at the, at the say, state level also. They'll say you have to get an expert who's going to regulate the F, you know the the FDA. I mean, what are you going to get some some random guy from the Boston phone book like William Buckley would have said? Uh, you know, to head the FDA, you know, I mean, the answer is to get rid of the FDA. Get rid of the FDA, which I think Liberty Block wrote about a very, very long time ago, (laughs) even for many other reasons. That was a shameless plug. We're allowed to do that. Um, I know none of us live in Maryland. Ed Powell, you're pretty close. Comments on Maryland's primary yesterday with this, uh, the gubernatorial candidates. Yeah, I only read a little bit about that. I heard a, uh, you know, ultra right wing MAGA, you know, conspiracy theorist. Ultra mega. Yeah, ultra MAGA uh, QAnon supporter uh-huh. one. But I don't know a whole lot about uh, the actual candidate. I mean, they're definitely uh, it, it, but from her enemies, she seems great. I, I, yeah. I mean, you know, the articles that I read, which isn't that much, is there we go. The Republicans blew it again. They elected someone in a primary who can't win, which is what I assume they'll say if uh, Cheney loses in Wyoming. But well, not- Hogan has been uh, Hogan is a, a pseudo Republican has been the governor for um, for eight years. I, I think the chances of a Republican keeping that seat are 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 close to zero to begin with. So you know maybe if if we nominate someone who will actually talk about issues. Yeah, even if in law, even in an inevitable loss, might that might probably be good. Well, the candidate is is Cox, and uh, from what I've seen and read, Cox is a big uh, medical freedom person. Yeah, and he's you know very uh, on the right side of all the COVID issues, the ten thousand dollar bills that you're talking about, Ed. And I don't see you know. The Republicans blew it. I think that if they had nominated another Larry Hogan, that would be blowing it. I mean, what has Larry Hogan done to advance any of our issues? I mean, Larry well, Hogan. One thing he did. The one thing he did. Uh, you know, I'm going to give him credit for this. Is when uh, the Supreme Court uh, New York rifle pistol came down, he instructed the state police to ignore the part of the law that says you must have a good uh, reason to get a. Um, 
to get a carry permit. And um, that has opened up Maryland to essentially as a, as a mostly, as a restrictive, but mostly shall issue state. Now, if it was a Democrat, of course, they wouldn't have done that. And it would have taken additional um, litigation and rhythm and damas to make them do it. So, I mean, that's one good thing he did, but there's very little else that he's done that's good. Yeah, I mean, I think that <laughs> nominating and electing him was was a, a loss for the Republican Party. I don't think that he benefited the Republican Party. Or, well, it's or like the, Christie in New Jersey. I mean, do you right. think Christie in New Jersey was better no, or worse than the, than the clown we have now? I mean, I, you know, he was better, but I mean, he's not like. He's not uh, better, though. That's the whole point. I don't think he is better because he stands in the way of opposition to the Democrats agenda. Mm. shepherds the democrats agenda through he very much to put it nicely was a practical politician and seeing the landscape in trenton with these vast majorities in the uh assembly and the state senate instead of fighting for what he really should have been fighting for he was acquiescing all the time so and, you uh, would say well, he, he he was a complete failure uh, I'm not going to say it's a complete failure. I think he. I'll say a, he was he, worse than a complete. Failure. He had an opportunity. He had an opportunity to make a real, long-lasting impact on the state. He didn't have the will to do that. I mean, mm. he had the, he has the line-item veto pen. He could have he could have whipped it out and said, "If you don't want to play along with me and give me some of what I want or whatever, um, then I'm going to start, you know, going to town on your budget and tough, you know what." But he didn't want to do that. Where I do give him credit is he really pushed on the pension issue, um, and he did get some concessions there. I have to give him some some credit there, and that was probably the biggest reason he made a big name for himself in the first term. Yeah, so, and it's one of the reasons I think why um, why Trump was uh, mostly ineffective is because he didn't he didn't know how to wield the power that the president has, um, and he got stuck with the, you know, with the deep state against him. What he didn't realize is that the whole, almost all of the deep state operations are based on um, Executive Order 12333, which basically gives them the power to spy. And um, had he uh, simply said, okay, I'm repealing that, I'm going to turn that off, um, the you know, the deep state would have gone completely nuts and probably would have bent over um, for him. Or just ignored it. Yeah, I just have a different view of Trump. I mean, I don't, I just think that he's always been a liberal New Yorker, always. And he was always trying to please the New York crowd, even as yeah. he taunted them. His ultimate goal was for them to come around and say, you know, yeah, we still, we like you. And he was never one of us. He, he, he used us in, in a good way. I mean, he, you know, you talk about your $10,000 bill on the ground. I mean, he looked, he looked at our side and saw a market opportunity. Nobody yeah. is, is catering to this political market. And he catered to it and he delivered. But he had no heart in the fight. He had no, right. no commitment to what we were fighting for. All he knew how to do was mouth platitudes that, that would, you know, oh, I'm for pro-life. Does anyone really believe that he is not against, that, that he doesn't support abortion? Probably not, no. I mean, come I, on. I mean, he, to take to, his life that he's for abortion. 
to, t- to take the other, you know, obvious example of somebody like Trump, um, which was uh, Julius Caesar. Um, of course, Caesar was a, oh. a writ. Caesar was a writ. What's that? Well, I'm glad you mentioned him because I was actually going that way. I, I think that in in trying to placate his leftist friends, he was he was scared out of his mind that they were going to call him Caesar or Putin or a dictator. Yeah, and that's he why did he that didn't anyway. wield the power. Well, I, I mean, know, which is why he should have just done it. Yeah, historically, of course, Caesar was a you know by birth a member of the aristocracy, but by politics he you know besides the whole conquering Gaul thing um he he was a man of the people he he was on the side of the populares which you know the people versus the ruling class at that time the optimates um and you know he was uh he he he, he was popular with the people for uh supporting causes that were um important to them rather than uh, important to the oligarchy, which controlled the Senate. And obviously he was elected, but then he took power by force. I'm just talking about the election part, not so much the revolution part. Um, you, you're not going to get a man of the people. You're not going to get Joe the plumber, for instance, who I like, of course, uh, you know, being the president. You, you need somebody who is an aristocrat, who is part of the ruling class, to sort of go against them. And I, I think Trump was a, a, you know, a pretty good try. I, I, you know, I think there might be other people who would be better, but he, you know, he, he was as, he was as good as one might get under the circumstances. Uh, so Ed, I don't, Ed M, I don't want to misunderstand what you're saying because you're coming down on Trump pretty hard right now. I mean, he, he did a lot of good things. You're, you're, you're not disagreeing that like on things like immigration policy, energy policy. I'm not saying he didn't do good things. I was addressing the issue of why he didn't wield the power that the president has. And I think he was petrified of his leftist friends accusing him of being a dictator. Yeah. I, and I think he really didn't. I mean, I know he lost all of his New York friends over, you know, some of his, uh, you know, and he, he lost billions of dollars because the Trump brand is all that he owned you know what i mean he 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 owned some golf courses and stuff but i mean it was the trump brand which was you know thoroughly destroyed by the media and so he lost like billions and billions of dollars so he didn't not sacrifice for the the cause yeah these leftists who say he was in it to make money that's just that's just nonsense um but he didn't um he he understood that in a business if the CEO says, um, we're going to do this, then all the people who work for him do it. And in the government, that's not the case. And it's like Eisenhower. Eisenhower gave up because he couldn't order people around and just spent the last four years playing golf. Um, And I think Trump kind of Neither Eisenhower nor Trump really figured out how to move what the levers are on the bureaucracy and the deep state. Um, So, yeah, my argument has been that there are no levers. Um, I don't know if you saw the story I posted, how when Trump said to declassify the Russian documents, they just simply ignored him, period. Now we get the Pulitzer's uh, removed from the papers. That's not going to happen. 
I don't think I've said it a, me a million times. The president doesn't have power. Oh, the president has power, but it's all indirect. And the thing is, he doesn't know. He didn't know the indirect levers of power. He thought, oh, I'll just you know, call out the army and stop the protests and whatnot, not realizing that all the generals would disobey. But then, of course, he could fire all the generals, but Mitch McConnell won't um, you know, won't approve new generals. So, you know, it, it, it's back and forth. But, but so what does he Mitch has McConnell, no power because the what does Mitch McConnell fear? I don't right? think it's that he has no power. I just still fall. I go back to he was not committed to using it the way we wanted him to. You yeah. look at a guy like DeSantis, and and I know he's you know one in a one in fifty right now, but he he came to he came to power in 2018 in Florida. Florida was a purple state trending red, but it was still a purple state, and he has he has fought hard. You got to look at the people that he's got around him, Ed. He has got legislators that will fight that are fighting for the same cause. They're no, working he legislators with him that against... were, He had legislators that drew a, a map. That was as bad as the North Carolina Right, for the Supreme redistricting. But I'm saying the ones that are passing the legislation that's putting him out, he's but got he's, people supporting him, not working against him the, constantly. He's leading the fight on it. He's telling them. He this is, is the but do you I think he you knows how to write that legislation? Do you not think he has attorneys that say, hey, this is how we can leverage this. This is how we can do this. Right, yes, my, I think you're right. didn't have that. My that's point the is, thing. he's committed to fighting that fight. And but he's not fighting I, a two million member deep state. No, but he's still fighting it and he's still winning and he's still turning his state further red in, in exactly the way that all the Republican advisors say, if you fight that way, you're going to lose. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, I, maybe it goes he'll back become to president, but he'll find out right. in Washington that nobody will pay attention to. It, it goes it's back also, to the Scott Atlas comment, which is like on the COVID thing, Trump's view of what we should do was represented by two out of, you know, maybe 50 of his employees and you know he's just got to realize that i mean if he if he gets in again or or DeSantis, that, that it's got to be the other way around i have no problem with having one or two dissenters in in there just to keep you honest but you got to have 48 out of 50 people on on the team ready to go mm -hmm. and trump never had that yeah i mean but the question is why ed was that just random was that the deep state controlling him or was that his ideological focus was different than ours. You mean Trump's ideological focus? Yes. No, I don't think his ideological focus was different than ours. I think he just has a very, a really bad view of personnel. I mean, trusting uh, Jared and Ivanka is, you know, obviously a terrible idea. He had uh, some terrible choices for campaign managers. You know, he won despite this. I mean, he even admitted at one time that, you know, colluding with the Russians, I couldn't even collude with my campaign. Um, and so I think it was the fact that if, you know, there are two pools of people to draw from to run a campaign in a White House. There's the establishment Democrats and the establishment Republicans. And if you're not willing to, like, really go outside of that pool, those pools, um, at least for the people in charge, the, the, you know, the directors and whatnot, then you're never going to win. And that's Trump didn't even think he was going to win. You know, he wins the election. It's like, oh, my God, I've got to fill, you know, 8,000 jobs in the next two weeks. And so he just let, turned it over to the Republican Party and they just turned it over to. Oh, yeah, I mean, he actually lost his administration within the first few weeks because he yeah, didn't yeah, use it by personnel. He yeah. gave it all to Chris Christie. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I, you know, I, but the one thing I will say that if Trump runs again, 
and gets nominated and they nominate, you know, Kamala or Gavin Newsom or, or something. I mean, I obviously will support Trump. I just hope he's learned. I don't think he's learned. But I agree with both of those. I hope he's I learned, it. but I don't think he has. But yeah, I, I don't, don't think, think he's going to ever change his. Uh, I don't think he cares to, he to learn. The ego is too big. Yeah, he he is who he is. Period. Yeah. And I mean, he he admits back. in private, according to um, people that that trusting Jared was a mistake. He admits it. So okay, he's so what are you going to do? I haven't are heard him have, admit any mistake. Are you going to have Jared in your next administration? I mean, I, I think that's a fairly. You know, well, I think I would assume he would. I would assume he would too. That's the problem, you know? Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm getting a kick out of what's going on here in New York and then uh, KJP. They're very upset that immigrants are coming to their towns. <laughs> Washington's upset that they're getting illegals or undocumented, whatever. And Mr. Adams over here in New York is very upset about the illegals and it's hard not to have shot in Florida. Um, Again, with a real filling up their shelters. Space. What's that? It's filling up their shelters. They don't have enough room for their own homeless population. Well, you know, I, 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 I got to talk about New York for a second because let's be honest. The whole purpose of New York is to deal with this sort of thing, right? I mean, that's that's why New York is New York, and I'm kind of glad New York is like all the immigrants come to New York and they set up their little ghettos and they have their food and whatnot. I, I, I like the fact that we have New York. I just hate the fact that they're trying to turn every other city in the United States like New York. New York has always been that way from the time the Dutch were here and the English and the Irish and you know the Italians. And New York is just where we dumped immigrants to sort of melt. Um, and I like New York for being that way. I do. I just don't think we should have every city in the United States turned to New York. Um, and I, so, I mean, as far as Adams is concerned, he can go screw himself. He doesn't even know what New York was about. That's New York's purpose in the United States. So, um, but yeah, you, you, if you have the three governors of Texas, Mexico, uh, New Mexico and Arizona, and, um, and some of the border, um, congressmen mad at the border situation, you're going to get nothing done. But if you got the mayor of New York City and the mayor of Washington and the mayor of, um, you know, go Chicago and, and some of these blue cities, you get them mad at the border situation and things are going to start getting done. So I say good for them. Send more. Well, it'll start getting done. Or they'll just ship them back out to the red states. Well, that would require them to actually do something. And I don't think they're not. I don't think they're able to. I, I really don't think like Adams or. I mean, Muro Bowser can't tie her shoes. So I, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't think they do anything. And it seems like even though Abbott's shipping them was a bit of a, a ruse or however you want to call stunt. it. Yeah, stunt. Yeah. Right. But if they're upset about it, it seems to accomplish something. Again, if somebody, if, the, if Adams and Bowser and these people are mad at a policy, I'm in favor of the policy. Mm-hmm. No argument. Pretty good default setting. Yeah, it's a default setting. Yeah, absolutely. Now, besides San Diego, which other cities are mandating masks now? Well, it was all of Los Angeles County. I didn't think San Diego was part of that yet. I believe San Diego is doing it very strictly with the schools or something, telling them don't show up if you don't want to wear a mask. I know New York, I think, is recommending it. 
And I may have seen a couple more masks on the street than a few weeks ago, although hopefully everybody's sick and tired of it. And hopefully they can pull this off again. I do love the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm finally getting through to some of my doctors. Like I went to the dentist today and it's like, I didn't walk in with a mask. They didn't ask me to, cause they know I would have said <laughs> why, uh, cause I've been through it with them. And, but, but my favorite doctor, I have a pulmonologist. Now he gets the office twice a week. The other three days he's in the hospital treating COVID patients and treating COVID patients who are dying. And yeah, you know, I just don't wear a mask in his office either. And he doesn't either <laughs> because he knows it doesn't work. Um, so he's my favorite doctor as far as like, is that by know. everybody up here? I mean, if you don't wear it in the doctor's office, you're going to get chucked. What's it like in Jersey or North Carolina? Well, for my doctor's offices, um, they dropped their mask pulse finally, like six weeks ago. Not that they enforced it. They would hand you something like when you walked in the door, you know, um, I would just stick it in my purse. Same thing at the hospital. As soon as you get in your room, you can take your mask off. You don't have to worry about it. Just when they were transporting you down the hallway is when they would require it. I don't know about Ed's I have lots. I have lots of medical issues, unfortunately, and I've been to lots of doctors down here in North Carolina. And maybe because some of them are in the Charlotte area, uh, uh, Gina, they all every doctor I've been to has demanded that I wear a mask or at least not the doctor, the office office. And they give it to me and I'll, some of them, I'll tell them, you know, I have a medical condition that prevents me from wearing it. Well, you have to wear it anyway. And you know, <laughs> most of the time I'm able to do sort of a lot, sort of what you do, Gina, where I just take it and I walk away. Right. I did have one of them that forced me to put one of these plastic shields in front of my face. Oh, come on. Jeez. Serious. But well, we have, you know what? I'd rather wear that oh, than wear a mask man. because at least I could breathe. Well, I had a young guy freak out. So like my one doctor's office, my general uh, general medicine doctor, he's flipping awesome. So ever since everything started, his whole office, it has not been required once. None of the staff had to do it. Nobody. So yay to him. Now my rheumatologist office. Oh my gosh. The one dude was like freaking out. He was probably only like 20 years old, double masked behind glass, plexiglass, you know, that everybody built. Put it on, put it on. You're going to kill somebody. Like freaking out. Like, dude, you're a nut. Stop it. And this was like, what, a year and a half into it. It was at my last visit. Like, oh my God, what is wrong with people? So yeah, there, there's some that are still. They don't even catch the irony of wearing a mask in a dental office. <laughs> that happens in my kid's orthodontist office. They still want you to wear a mask. <laughs> Two seconds later, you're in there opening your yeah, mouth. What? They're reaching in it. <laughs> right. And there's still so many people who are putting up with it. Yeah. And that's what yeah, I told my dentist. I'm like, what? I'm supposed to wear a mask for the 10 foot walk. And she's like, yeah, don't worry. So, I mean, yeah. that, that is the rules. They could get in trouble, but you know, they don't care. Is that a rule or a guidance or a directive? It's, it's, or it's, a, a, it's a federal directive. Yeah. I mean, no, the federal government has no uh, legitimate power in this, but it is a federal directive. But they could threaten to uh, pull Medicare payments, I guess. Yeah, or you know, get them in trouble with the licensing board. That's their new thing, right? Is to get everybody in trouble with licensing boards. Because I saw Biden is threatening to strip Medicare status from hospitals that won't perform abortions in emergency yeah. situations in states where it's illegal, which kind of puts a doctor between a rock yeah. and a hard place. Oh. 
Well, that, that, that's this is good. the same issue that we discussed with Tiana a couple of weeks ago. It's time to stand up and say, we don't want your money. If you're going to force us to do things against our conscience and that we think are bad for our patients in a hospital setting or our children in a school setting, it's time to say, no, we reject your money. If we have to pay for it ourselves, raise our property taxes, whatever it is we have to do, we'll pay for it ourselves. We don't want your money. We don't need the bribe and you don't get to control us with that money, period. It, it, we should be yeah. looking at that threat as a gift, not and as. And a, I think I guess problem. governors need to run on that very explicitly uh, in primaries. Not unless you're a Medicare patient and you can't see your doctor anymore. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, it's sort of like what you know. Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, said that the best way to deal with a with an oppressive law is to enforce it strictly. And if that's what happens. Great. Maybe maybe that'll get these Medicare people to wake up and, and understand what the problem with Medicare are, what the problem with government controlled medicine is and not just Medicare patients, but their children, you know, their their adult children who have to deal with it. You know, I mean, you, we can't keep putting the kicking the can down the road, hoping that this menace is going to go away on its own because it's not. I agree. All right, guys, who wants to talk about what we didn't talk about? We didn't explore that uh, handcuff situation enough. Go for it. <laughs> Just think that there's a lot of broader cultural implications there. Um, you know, that story that you shared in the show notes was really good. And it talked about how, you know, she's basically, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, just, you know, pimping herself out there to get, hits on TikTok and Instagram and things like that. She wants to uh, date her. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny because I was watching a, a comedian, ironically, on TikTok the other day, and he was saying that the internet has given stupid people access to other stupid people. Well, likewise, the internet has given radical, egomaniacal leftist nutcases access to other left-wing, egomaniacal <laughs> nutcases. And... That's where AOC fits in. And I think after having had the internet pretty much widespread for uh, 25 years now, quarter of a century, we're, we're reaping what's been sown there. And it's like everything else with the internet. There's a lot of good things about it and there's get bad things about it. There's pros, there's cons. The one big pro is we can do this podcast together. But a con is that I think it is true that a lot of people with crazy, radical, stupid ideas have had those ideas filter more into the mainstream to the point that we have full-blown wokeism. And she is just like the centerpiece of that. I don't think that the availability of wokeism explains its popularity or its success. I think we've got some evil people that have gotten control of key lever. You know, we talked about levers of, of power and levers of society. I think the Democrats, much more so than Republicans, understand what the levers of power in a society are, and they have gotten people into those positions of power, and they exercise power. I don't think you can. I don't think you can just say like that. There's no power and influence of the out of these social media platforms that right. give a I'm lot of. Saying, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying right. that. It's not a coincidence that almost all of them, I mean, other than maybe Elon Musk, if he buys Twitter, they're all leftists. 
How did that happen? You think that was just random in a 50-50 society? No. But I, I, I do think there's flocking behavior here, but I also also think that there's um there's some top-down stuff. I, the ESG, the environmental social governance uh stuff, which uh-huh. is being pushed by um the big companies like BlackRock and Vanguard, and they're being pushed by the Europeans, especially the WEF and, and whatnot. The Europeans are really leading the leading the way intellectually um uh taking their cues you know from both the wef and and from sort of some american leftist uh herbert marcuse and whatnot so i do think there's there's a lot of top down in this um wokeness um but i do think there's a lot of flocking behavior especially on twitter and i think the trans thing is is very much an example of the flocking behavior, because once Obergefell got done, um, you know, everybody was like, ah, oh, yeah, we're done. Good. Well, you know, gays now have full civil rights. So let's uh, we don't have to worry about that anymore. And I think the the flock uh, had to get something um, and they just flocked to the trans thing. And the trans thing is so crazy and it, it is, is literally delusional and insane that they're getting pushback. And so as they push back, then the top down pushes more than um, um, than the bottom up pushes. So, yeah, I think both are factors. Uh, it's not to discount what Ed's saying. I know there's a lot of left wing people in, in places of power and in, in these um, major companies throughout the country. But you know, how do you how do you get to, you know, what is your pronoun? <laughs> You know, how do you get to I, forcing I, people to put their pronouns in their bio, which is even hitting like the defense industry? Oh, I mean, you call a doctor's office and they're asking you now what what pronouns you prefer. I mean, this is oh, where the we way are. they get there. It's you know, we think that there, that there's some shortcut that we just have to, you know, educate the public, vote the right way and we'll change things in the next election. Whereas the left understands that you have to change people's minds over time. That's what all this trans garbage is. I mean. Or, or defund the police for that matter. Five years ago, if you'd have said defund the police, they would have laughed at you. Now you've got AOC and 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 the rest of the squad. You know that's a Democrat policy plank. Same that, thing with that... transgenderism. I mean, it's it, it's you know there was a time when if you said you were the king or queen of England, you know we we smiled at you, we we patted your head, and we put you in a psychiatric hospital. Today we give you a. <laughs> You know, we, we, we chopped your private parts off. I mean, they're, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to move the culture. They're trying to act incrementally and they're trying to yeah. sow chaos. That is the goal. Make us all. No, mental, but, chaos. mental chaos. But that goes to, that goes to my, that goes to my initial point, which is this is a cultural issue. Oh my gosh. Like I just, yeah, well, more, I just hit another than, tr- It's more than just having some left-wing person who's a CEO of Coca-Cola, you know? But that's well, how cultural. they that's how they enact it. What's up, Gina? I was just because it just came across my feed. It's another dry queen story hour at another flipping church right here in Newton. And I'm just like, how the heck do they call themselves a church? Like, ew, oh my God, this is just ridiculous. What's Absolutely the ridiculous. I mean it's another should... drag queen story hour okay. at another all affirming church in Newton, North Carolina. I I've so. looked in Fairfax County, which is where I live in Virginia, and it's lib libs from here to the Potomac, and I have not seen any advertisement for drag scene story hour at like libraries or, or churches or school. I mean, no, there might is, be some, but I haven't seen any. Church is even better than the library. 
Yeah, Maybe because they already own your place and they're trying to infiltrate other places. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, like Ed, like Ed M just said, years ago, drag queens were just not in the accepted norm the way I understand it. And today, yeah, in library, school, whatever. Not just, not just no, the one place queens, I knew. But not just drag queens, but drag queens that are going after children. Yeah. They're no, not I just mean, doing what, drag queen hour. They're going, they're doing drag queens for kids hour. I've been everywhere, right, in the United States, and the only place I've seen like advertisements for drag queens was in San Francisco. There was this, there's this one club that is the drag queen club in San Francisco. I've never been there, but that was it, and um, I figured that was it. You know, now it's in Newton. <laughs> it's crazy. It's insane. Well, San Francisco is always a little kooky, right? Of course, and you expect it, right? I mean that. We want diversity, right? Okay, you can have your weirdos in San Francisco. You can have your immigrants in New York. You have your oil barons in Dallas. I mean, but now everything has to be uniform. They want, they want the uniformity of, of 1984 mm. imposed on everything. Well, they want the chaos across the whole country. So. Yeah, chaos across the whole country. What did Michael Savage used to call it? San Francisco. San, San Francisco. San Francisco, yeah. <laughs> well, my... um short thing i'm just going to tell you what i'm reading um lately and i'm reading a book by a libertarian uh alana mercer maybe some of you uh, know her she's a refugee from south africa and her book is called into the cannibals pot and it talks about how south africa has deteriorated since uh the end of apartheid and turning the country over to a bunch of savage communists and uh, it's, it's a very interesting book. I think anybody who cares about what go, what's going on in the United States today, which she draws parallels to, um, would, would find it infuriating um, as what's going on in, in South Africa. So it's Into the Cannibal's Pot by Alana Mercer. Uh, she's a very, uh, uh, very intelligent. She writes a column, um, libertarian to the core, and uh, well worth reading. Which also plays into sowing chaos everywhere because it's another country that was destroyed. Yes. Like Venezuela and like many, many others. Mike. Um, no. Go. Um, we didn't touch on that story I shared about the European Union and the Germans in particular. Uh, screaming bloody murder that the Russians in response to the sanctions might cut off uh, natural gas sales to, to the rest of Europe. And they, the, the Europeans are calling it blackmail as if economic sanctions against Russia are just, I guess, friendly neighborhood politics or something. Um, I think, you know, we talked a little earlier about uh, you know, Ed, Ed, you said that you hope that France and Germany freeze to death over this winter. I do. Uh, I think that would be a just just outcome. Um, I just I, I thought that story was beyond ironic. I mean, I don't know what the right word is. I mean, the irony is just too low of a. I'm not sure how you describe that, but the, the chutzpah of, of the Europeans saying that there's something wrong with the Russians for retaliating against the sanctions i mean it's just it's it's crazy well i mean uh, what i to ask the dumb question what exactly was germany thinking like 
how did they expect to survive this? Well, I mean, I don't I don't think they any of them were thinking. I mean, I, I've said from day one that the whole purpose of the Ukraine war was to hurt Westerners, that the sanctions are aimed at hurting Westerners, that uh, looting the, the U.S. Treasury and sending tens and tens of billions of dollars down a, a sewer hole in, in Ukraine was designed to hurt us. Um, and so I think that that's to the extent they were thinking, I, I think this is what they wanted. And, you know, it's like they committed to commit suicide. No, it's part of the Great Reset. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but now they're complaining about it. So. Well, well they're politicians. I mean, well, they're not complaining about it. They just don't want to be blamed for the disaster that they're causing that they know they're causing. That's really what's going on. They want the they new think normal they can to keep over. control of a country that's freezing. They want to keep a control of a country that's disintegrating. I mean, but do know, they think they can control it if people are really freezing? I think they think that they can control it because people are going to be hungry. And if you're if you're if you don't have food and you don't have energy, it's pretty hard to resist. And 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 in Europe, they don't have guns. So what are they going to do? How are they going to resist? Are they going to throw water balloons at them? You know, I mean. I think they think that they can be in control. Yes, I do. Yeah, it should be an interesting winter. I mean, meanwhile, Britain is basically melting, right? <laughs> no, this is no different than any other heat wave that Britain suffers every summer. And Britain. the only reason they're suffering is because it's Britain. never hot in Britain. And so they don't have any air conditioning. I thought <laughs> there were no heat waves until a few years ago. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Well, I love it when even the weather people say this is the worst heat wave since 1940. It must be global warming, not noticing that it happened in 1940. I'm not even sure that's true, by the way. I've read differently. I'm, no, no, I'm not saying this one specifically. I'm saying that's what they generally do. Right. It hasn't been this hot since the 30s. Uh, okay. One other story wow. from the last week or so is, is the uh, ongoing banking crisis in China. We haven't talked about that. I think we may have talked about it a week or so ago, but um, homeowners are, are not paying their uh, their mortgages in China. Um, the, the banking system is is the, the banking regulators in China are worried about contagion, which is the fancy word for systemic banking failure, uh, failure of the whole banking system. Um, and uh, it'll be it, it's worth watching, uh, especially given the saber rattling about Taiwan. I know, Ed, you don't think there's any chance that they're going to try and invade Taiwan, but. Oh, no, I didn't say that. I said there was, was probably not. We're probably all going to know because it's going to require a lot of massing of forces and they're not doing it yet. That's yeah. all I said. Well, you know, dictatorships often try and deflect problems at home by going to war and uh, they're developing some pretty big, pretty serious problems at home economically. So. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I mean, you know, I, you know, we talked last week, I think, about uh, whether he, whether they might invade Siberia. Uh, I still think that's a possibility as well. Um, but for now, at least China and Russia are trying to be buddy buddy. Um, but it's I, I think China's saber rattling is worth watching. And the Chinese oh, economy is worth watching. I think always worth watching. Gina. OK. So 
let me, am I unmuted? I am unmuted. Okay, so the thing that we did not cover was the shooting um, that happened. And I can't, I think it was in Milwaukee. And anyway, it was a lady, her apartment had been shot into and her kids were in there. And next thing you know, there's all the BLM protesters outside of the building and mama got lit on them. Um, you know, telling them to get the heck out of here. How are you chanting in support of this dude that just tried to kill my kids and me? Like, come look at the bullet holes. Um, good for her. That's all I can say. Good for her. She kicked butt. And uh, I hope, because it seemed like she was kind of in with that crowd because she was going on about Brianna Taylor and all this stuff. And uh, I hope this was a an eye-opening experience for her. And uh, I think we might have just got somebody on our side through this tragedy. So hopefully, yeah. well, it's just another one of the, you know, they're eating their own. Yep. And it will exactly. be interesting to see if she red pills. She will. She sure as I can guarantee it. I mean, look at look at how they're treating that's her babies that almost lost their lives. And the people that she was supporting are like, screw you, lady. I'm gonna chant and cause a ruckus. Yeah, no, it was good for her. Good for her. Okay, can't argue. Okay, with that, we'll wrap it up for today, folks. We will be back next week at the regular time. This will be up as a podcast very shortly. And I thank everyone very much for being here with us.